Spirit, come by me until the power of the procession be back in the heart of Mary, and I will be loved spouse in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> Last week at this time, I was in Colorado. I spent about a week out there with some priest friends going down snow-covered mountains on waxed fiberglass. I was skiing. I love the vistas of the Colorado Rockies. They're spectacular. One of the reasons I enjoy going out. As priests, you get certain perks. We're given a free place to stay out in, in Breckenridge by a parishioner who lets us use his home, more like a mansion. Myself and other priests go about every year if we can. And it wasn't all vacation for me. It was a working vacation. I was putting together uh, a syllabus and doing reading for a class I'm teaching. The past few years, I've taught a class at St. Joseph's High School, mostly to seniors. I've taken off this semester. I'll be teaching at the seminary a course on the Blessed Virgin Mary to teach future priests uh, a deeper knowledge appreciation of the mystery of Mary or her place in God's plan of salvation. And between skiing and, and doing work on this course, we also had to eat. And during our meals, um, the evening meals, we customarily drank wine. I guess wine drinking has been around for thousands of years. We see that in the gospel today. Jesus performs his first miracle, changing water to wine. And this is done at a wedding. Why did Jesus choose, in God's plan, to have his first miracle performed at a wedding? Well, God has reasons for these things. This isn't just by chance that the first miracle took place at a wedding. To better understand the meaning of this first miracle, we must first place the wedding in the context of covenant, because that's what marriage is. In the Old Testament, God made this plain through his prophets that God is the bridegroom and the people of God are the bride. For example, I'll read from Isaiah. Okay. The Lord delights in you and makes your land his spouse. Your builder, capital B, God, shall marry you as a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall your God rejoice in you. In Jesus, he came to institute the new and eternal covenant. And St. Paul in Ephesians describes the relationship between Christ and the church as that of a wedding, okay, or a marriage, I should say. Christ is the bridegroom, the church is the bride. And <clears throat> at the wedding in Cana, Jesus changes water to wine. Why? What is the significance of this? Well, the new wine symbolizes the new covenant, which far surpasses the old covenant under Moses. The old covenant was established by the shedding of an animal's blood, the lamb, the Passover lamb. The new and eternal covenant is 
instituted by Christ, who is the true Lamb, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and he shed his blood on the cross for our sins. And the wine symbolizes Jesus' blood. Jesus will change wine into his blood at the Last Supper, instituting the Eucharist, the representation of Christ's sacrifice on Calvary, which we celebrate at every holy sacrifice of the Mass. Jesus tells the servants, fill the water jars to the brim, up to the very top. This symbolizes the fullness of grace that the sacrifice of his body and blood would bring about, that we celebrate in every Mass. All this is mystery. All this is done in signs and symbols. And so too is a mystery how this miracle came about. We see a rather puzzling discourse between Mary and Jesus at first glance. Mary foresees the needs of this married couple, this newly married couple. What an embarrassment at a Jewish wedding to run out of wine. You don't do that. They're out of wine. What does Mary do? She goes to Jesus and she says very simply, they have no wine. And Jesus responds to her kind of strangely. Woman, what is this between you and me? My hour has not yet come. At first glance, Jesus' words appear rather cold, harsh, almost putting her off, but no, that's not how we understand his words. We take a closer look through Bible history and get an understanding of Jesus' words. He addresses her not as his mother, but as woman. Significant. Okay? Why as woman? I mean, I wouldn't call my mother woman. She'd probably smack me if I did, okay? I'm your mother, what are you doing calling me woman? Why does Jesus call his mother woman? Well, go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 3. It relates that original sin. And after first Eve and then Adam ate that forbidden fruit, God speaks to the serpent, I will put enmities between you, Satan, and the woman, between your seed or offspring and hers, and she will crush your head. The woman, described in that verse, is not Eve, it is the Blessed Virgin Mary, who is called in theology the new Eve, as the first Eve helped bring about that original sin, that fall from grace, even enticed Adam to commit that sin. Okay. So Mary, the new Eve, she is a cooperator with Christ, who is the new Adam, who restores the human race to a state of grace. And Mary does this by giving birth to Christ, and also at the foot of the cross, she's cooperating, standing at the foot of the cross. And here in John's Gospel, once again, we look to chapter 19, Jesus speaks to his mother on the cross, again using that term, woman, behold your son, referring to John, who's actually Jesus' cousin. And then to John, behold your mother. Jesus is confirming that Mary is our spiritual mother in the order of grace. Then we go to the book of Revelation, the Apocalypse, 
Again, written by St. John, chapter 12, verse 1, John describes this vision. This woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, on her head, a crown of 12 stars. Mary is queen of heaven. And as queen, she intercedes for us. You see, the first miracle that Jesus performs is done through Mary's intercession. Very important. Mary intercedes on behalf of those in need. And now in heaven, she continues her role as our spiritual mother in the order of grace, interceding for us, being our advocate before Jesus and the Heavenly Father. But Jesus is still the son of Mary in heaven. He forever will be. And Jesus did not refuse this request of his mother, even though Jesus says to her, my hour has not yet come. We get the sense that Jesus wasn't ready at that time to initiate his public ministry, but he does at the request of his mother. Well, in heaven, the saints tell us, Jesus still accedes to the requests of his mother. Not because he has to, but because this is God's plan. Jesus is pleased when we go to his mother and ask for intercession. And the queen of heaven, the mother, she's the queen mother in heaven, she goes to her son, makes requests. Jesus grants them. He's pleased to grant requests through the intercession of his mother. And, you know, when Jesus responds, woman, what is this between you and I? My hour is not yet come. Mary's not put off. Mary has confidence in faith that Jesus will grant her request. And he does. We see this. But significantly, again, Mary speaks to the servants after Jesus says this to her. With confidence, she knows that Jesus will listen to her. She turns to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. These are the last words that Mary speaks in the Gospels. Do whatever my son tells you. Jesus in the rest of the Gospels as he begins his public ministry, the first miracle at Cana, will be preaching and teaching, giving us instructions how to live our lives to conform to him. And we should do so with this command of Mary, doing whatever Jesus tells us to do. What a beautiful piece of advice here that's given us by the Mother of God. Mary is our model, par excellence, of doing whatever God wills us to do in her son. Mary shows this perfect conformity to God's will with her fiat, that it be done to me at the Annunciation, and then her second fiat, as I like to call it, at the foot of the cross, where she offers her son for our salvation in reparation for our sins. Mary's example here is meant for all of us. She is the first and perfect disciple of Jesus Christ. She's a model for us to imitate. And she's also our mother in heaven, helping us as our, our advocate to, to pray for us so that the grace of Christ may come to us, so that we may do what God wills that we do. Let us turn to Mary in light of this gospel, ask her to pray for us, knowing that she is the Queen Mother in heaven. 
She reigns with her son. And let us ask her prayers that we may fulfill that command that she gives us by these last words that she speaks in the Gospels, do whatever he tells you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.